0: Well, Happy New Year. I got one or two Happy New Year's back. Most of you are probably saying, uh, Is Pastor Mark still in his food coma from Thanksgiving? Maybe sleepy minded, mixed up, confused? Maybe. Or maybe I'm thinking about a different kind of New Year that we celebrate in the life of the church that's countercultural to our calendar that we operate on 12 months out of the year, the annual calendar, if you will. Advent kicks off and begins today. It's the first Sunday of the new year in the life of the church. And the difference between our regular calendar that we operate on, probably six other days out of the week, and the church calendar is that the church calendar is focused upon the life and the ministry and the saving and life-giving work of Jesus Christ. And so we began a month before the rest of, of um, the calendar in December, the very beginning the season of Advent. As Sherry said, it's a season of preparation. We spend the first entire month of our year preparing for the celebration of Jesus' birth. And we celebrate his birth, what once came, and Uh, We remember the good things that he came to deliver to us, God's promises, and we prepare ourselves for his return. And so it's with that spirit, with that in mind, that I'm going to start today for the next few weeks a sermon series about Jesus and who he was and why he came. I've decided to hearken back to the Old Testament, however, to the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, Especially chapter 9 verse 6 and make that kind of the hinge that provides for topics for us to talk about. Who Jesus was today and in the next few weeks. And so happy new year to you as, as we begin um, from Isaiah 9 6. I'll read for you that scripture that we'll read every Sunday up until Christmas Eve. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so you see there, the last part of that verse, those four names that Isaiah prophetically ascribes to the coming Messiah and King, whom we celebrate and know is Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we begin today by looking, first of all, at who Jesus was as wonderful counselor that he was prophesied to come and to be for us all. Oh, God, speak to me that I may hear and through me that we all may hear this word of old and this word that is very familiar to us. And having heard it today, Lord, speak new truth and in life into it through the presence of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds and in our innermost being our souls, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you are a classical music fan, or if you sing classical music, which I know some of our choir people do, you know that it's George Handel who made most famous, probably in all of Western civilization, this, this verse of Isaiah's uh, prophecy, where in his famous work, The Messiah, that accounts for the life. Uh, the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, uh, he talks about and has put to beautiful music that Jesus was and, and is for us uh, these names that Isaiah ascribes. The fullness of, of a great king that comes to deliver God's people uh, to the, the gift and place of life instead of, of death. Today, we, uh, we look at this, this wonderful counselor. And I have to tell you that there's a, I found in studying this, a great deal of controversy around this phrase that is used in Isaiah, not because people don't think that it has to do with the prophetic forecasting of the King Jesus that would come into the world, but because in the King James Version of the Bible and some of the older texts, there is a comma between the words wonderful and counselor for Hundreds, thousands of years, it was thought that maybe there were two different names that were meant to be ascribed, that they should be studied and understood differently. But that's not the case so much anymore because of the Dead Sea Scrolls. So wonderful counselor is how we understand this name that's given. Let's talk uh, beginning with the prophet Isaiah and giving you a little bit of context about into which he is writing this prophecy. Remember what the prophets were? The words means mouthpiece. Think of a a mouthpiece, okay? Something that you would speak through to broadcast your voice or something through which you would communicate a message. Prophets were God's mouthpiece to the world. They were God's word in the living flesh before Jesus was the incarnational living flesh of God in the world. And so Isaiah, the most prolific of prophets in the Old Testament, meaning that he wrote more than any other prophet that is recorded in the Old Testament, 66 chapters worth of prophetic words, Isaiah speaks truth into the power and into the community of God's people. Literally, he would sit in the king's courts there in Jerusalem in, Judea, in Judah, and he would proclaim what it was, that God told him to say to the king and to his political circle around him, his his cabinet, if you will, and his military leaders. And so, so during the reign of King Ahaz, who among others was a very not-so-good king for Jerusalem and for God's people, Isaiah comes to speak this truth that there is a coming king that will be different from all of the other kings. Now imagine how threatening that was to the sitting king to hear that there was another one prophesied to come. And yet, yet Isaiah speaking into to a very turbulent and probably the most violent time for God's people in, in all of the Old Testament history when, when the Assyrian and the Babylonian empires were reigning strong and, and extreme, overtaking all of those countries around them, including little Israel and little Judah, to the south with Jerusalem. And to that, and into that, Isaiah says that one will come who is a wonderful counselor. So understand the context of it and understand that he is encouraging and challenging the king of his time to to seek out godly counsel for the decisions he is making and the things that are to come. That's important for him to hear because there's a lot of skirmishing going on and a lot of of empire building and and coalitions coming together to fight the empires that are around them to seek wise, godly counsel and not just what feels right, not just what militarily seems right. It's important for us to hear the, the context and understand to that in which Isaiah writes and sends this this royal birth announcement to King Ahaz and to Jerusalem and to all of God's people and still to us today to hear that there is a king that is above all other kings and he provides for us wonderful counsel. Well, we of course understand and believe Jesus is the one of which he was writing. Uh, Some of the older scholars, Jewish scholars, thought that maybe he was writing about Hezekiah, who would come a couple, of, a couple of generations later and rule over Jerusalem. But that was soon laid to rest, that understanding, when it was sacked and when he turned out to be not all that he purported to be as a king. There was a longing for now 700 and something years before Jesus came onto the scene and with his birth, though no one knew it at the time. God was providing in the world a wonderful counselor for all. All to know, all to follow, and all to learn the ways that lead to life. John Wesley, in his explanatory notes, um, pointed out and wrote what Paul states in Colossians. This is one of his letters to the church and the Christians in Colossae, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Where, st- where Paul states the, the purpose for writing was to help them understand who Jesus was. Listen to what, what John Wesley wrote uh, about this scripture. He said, Christ is, uh, because he has been, a wonderful counselor to the church throughout all the ages. He spoke uh, counsel and delivered message to the apostles, but also to the prophets of old. And he has gathered and guided and preserved his church over time by his message and his good news. And in him are held all of the treasures and the knowledge that the church and the people of God need to know. And he references that Colossians 2 passage where Paul writes so that they may have the full riches of the complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. And so we're reminded that it is Christ that has the godly wisdom and understanding we need for life. Do we hear that today? Do we accept that? Are we faithful to it? A lot of times what Jesus teaches when I read it doesn't seem to make sense to me when I'm thinking of it through the lens of the world. How about you? When he says, blessed are the peacemakers, when I have people that are stirring up trouble in my life and making me feel unpeaceful, it seems just downright silly to say I'm going to be peaceful anyway. When I have someone coming at me or trying to undo me, when he says, love your enemies, and says, forgive those who have done things wrong against you, it doesn't make much sense to me in my heart and in my mind to forgive somebody or to even conceive of that in the heat of the moment when, when the hurt is so real and raw. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, the wisdom of Jesus does not match that of the world. But we're countercultural, remember? And we believe that this man who came 2,000 plus years ago leads us on the path that goes to life. I mean, like, I may not like to hear what he has to say and may be challenged by it, but if I stay faithful to his counsel and his wisdom in living out my life, I know that at the end, there is life that is abundant and everlasting in the way that the world cannot provide it. I don't know about you, and I've said this before, but every time that I reach a point of get disconsoration, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say there. Anytime I reach a point of frustration in my life or personal challenge or getting to a place where where I set myself up to be disappointed once again in life, I find out that the single common denominator in all of those trip-ups and fail-ups in life is me. It's when I lean upon my own understanding instead of that of God. And it's important for me to be reminded that I have a wonderful counselor, and if I will stay in his word and hear his message each and every day, I will find the path that leads to life and and not trip myself up and be my own worst enemy. Now, I want to give you a challenge for this Advent season, and I have to tell you this arose out of of one of our Sunday school classes, C.O. Kennerly class. I talked about this at the Thanksgiving service last Sunday night at Bethlehem United Methodist. But what that class is doing is every day during the month of December, well, for, for 24 of the days leading up to Christmas Day, they are reading one chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Do you know how many chapters are in the Gospel of Luke? 24. It works out beautifully. That having read a chapter a day of the Gospel of Jesus' life and ministry and teachings, they will arrive on Christmas Day prepared, ready to hear what it is that it truly means to celebrate the coming into the world of our Savior and King. I challenge you to do that. Join in with them. I'm doing that. I read chapter one, well, yesterday, and am going to read chapter two tomorrow on the second, and so on and so forth. You can join them on Sunday if you don't have a Sunday school class, because they're going to be discussing the previous week's. Readings. But what a great way to stay in the Word, to be reminded of the one who is our wonderful counselor, who guides, comforts, directs, and strengthens us for life each and every day. I encourage you to do it and, and to be fed by this, this tremendous gift of counsel that God's provided for us. The last thing I want to say today is that we, we need to recognize the power of receiving Him. As we prepare for this season and get ready for Christmas, what does it mean to truly receive Christ into our lives? It's not just singing Christmas carols on Christmas Eve and holding a candle, but there is so much more to it in our heart and in our mind and getting ready for that. Sowing the soil for planting the seed of His good news and of His love to us all. It's important for us to truly receive him when the time comes in a state of mind and preparation that, that helps us to, to truly grasp the reason that he came into the world, to save the world, to give to all of us the good news of God's love for all people, and to go to the cross and uh, come out of the empty tomb to make that possible. So it really comes down to Do we really trust this wonderful counselor, God's son that he's given to us? Do we fully and truly believe that he is the one that holds the meaning and the purpose to our lives? Because if we do, and if we grasp that, God will use it and help us to grow in faith and in power and might. There's an old Dutch fable. You know what a fable is. It's a it's a tale. It's a story with a point, not quite a parable, but it's, it's a, a story a lot of times has to do with animals, like if you think of Aesop's fables of old. But this Dutch fable has to do with flower bulbs. Now, you know what I'm speaking of, right? The, the little roots that you buy, and well, during the cold months of the year, you dig and you plant into the ground, and prepare and get ready for the springtime when those bulbs will dig roots into the ground and start to sprout a beautiful flower. And the Dutch are famous for for their flower bulbs. Well, the the old fable is told and and goes that there were once in this this bin of, of bulbs in a hardware store that there were three left And all of them were very different. They all were waiting for someone to come along and to to reach in and to examine and and to decide whether or not they wanted that bulb to take and to plant. And one of those tulip bulbs, who as the fable says, name was No, decided that he did not want to be touched by anyone. He wanted to stay unto himself and just enjoyed his life right there, in the bulb bin. And so he, he found his way over underneath the piece of metal of the bin where he could not be seen and would not be able to be picked up by someone that came along to buy. There was another bulb there, the second bulb, whose name was Maybe. And that bulb said, Well, I'm not quite so sure about this. Maybe I want to be put into the ground. I don't know exactly what that's going to be like, though. I'm scared of it. I'm afraid of it. I don't don't know that that will be the best thing for me because it will bring change for me. And so this, this bulb kind of uh, shriveled itself up away in a corner. It could still be seen, but maybe, maybe it would not be noticed as much. And then there was the third bulb, the fable says, whose name was, yes, buy me, take me, take me home, dig a hole and put me in. He said, there has got to be more life, more to life than just sitting here in this dusty, old, cold, dark metal bin. And so he said yes to the next person that came along to buy a bulb to put in the earth somewhere and was taken home with the person, was placed in the hole that was dug, and after a long, cold, hard winter, sprouted to life and produce beautiful color and a display that he never before had imagined possible. A wondrous life, if you will. And the story, of course, to the fable is that we have to put ourselves out there in life to engage life and to make the most of it and to find its richness and fullness. And for us as followers of Christ, in this season of preparing and getting ready, it means that that we say yes to Jesus, who has come into the world. He is the Son of God, and He is our Savior. Oh, and He has for long, long before been anticipated and desired. Because we struggle to find real purpose and meaning that's rich and good and true in our lives. And He is the answer, the fulfillment of it all. So I want to close us in prayer this morning before we sing our hymn of dedication. Bow with me, please. Lord, thank you for uh, the gift of a new year today, a new year in the life of our Savior. Help us to prepare our hearts and minds and our lives for celebrating his coming into the world, for receiving him anew and afresh this year, and for preparing for his eventual return. Lord, Help to cultivate the soil of our hearts and our minds and our souls. Help us to be in your word and to be ready to say yes to the gift of your love to the world. In his name we pray. Amen.